Hello everyone, this is Jennifer and welcome back to my podcast. So today I'm back with another criticism and a critical response. And the criticism that I will talk about is lesbian, gay, and queer criticism. The reason why I chose this criticism is that there are still many people who lack of knowledge about gay and lesbian theory. Although almost literature courses contain the work of gay and lesbian authors who make up a significant portion of the literary canon, many people still mistakenly believe that these authors are straight. In addition, when we discussing the gay and lesbian theory, there are still many questions and problems that arise such as if personal information about writers' heterosexual life is relevant to our appreciation of their work, why is personal information about writers' non-straight lived often excluded from the realm of pertinent historical data? Clearly, in many societies today, homosexuality is still considered as an uncomfortable topic of discussion. That is why it's important to discuss the criticism of this theory. And now is the time for us to go deeper into the aspects that are in this criticism itself. And in this podcast, I would like to talk about two aspects of this criticism, which are lesbian criticism and gay criticism. So, the first one is lesbian criticism. Because lesbian critics are typically feminists, and because both feminists and lesbian critics originated as responses to patriarchal oppression, it's possible that lesbian criticism share some of the same political and personal identity concerns as feminist criticism. Lesbian critics must addresses the psychological, social, economic, and political oppression that is supported by both heterosexual privilege and patriarchal male privilege, and the second sort of privilege has frequently caused conflict amongst lesbian and heterosexual feminists. When lesbian critics consider both the constraints, questions that have long been at the center of lesbian critical inquiry, such as what is a lesbian and what is a lesbian literary text, these inquiries fall under a category of theoretical inquiry that gay critic does not typically engage in. A better way to define a lesbian is to say that she is a woman whose sexual desire is directed toward women. Indeed, given the 19th century restriction of women's sexuality and sexual awareness, many women might have had enormous sexual desire for other women without ever recognizing it as such focus on what we would define today as sexual activity or sexual desire runs the risk of erasing an important dimension of women's life that very well might be understood fully only through a lesbian lens. In order to avoid this kind of erasure and to promote solidarity among all women, some lesbian theorists have suggested that lesbian identity is not restricted to the sexual domain but consists of directing the bulk of one's attention and emotional energy to other women and having other women as one's primary source of emotional sustenance and psychological support. That is, a lesbian is a woman-identified woman. Woman identification does not 
preclude sexual desire or sexual activity, but neither does it require them. Some lesbians are separatists. They disassociate themselves as much as possible from all men, including gay men and from heterosexual women as well. They may also dissociate themselves from lesbians who don't share their views. It is obvious that attempts to define the term lesbian or even to describe the entire political implications of the first forms of women's separation are as challenging as they are exciting. Inquiries into what constitutes a lesbian literary text are both challenging and rewarding. We can't rely on an author's sexual orientation, even if we are aware of it, to tell us whether or not we are reading a lesbian text because we can always be sure whether or not a particular writer was a lesbian. Another task a lesbian critic might perform is to argue that a writer's literary output establishes her lesbian status even when available biographical material posits only a passionate emotional bond. Another task a lesbian critic might perform is to show the ways in which a text that is clearly heterosexual in its intention nevertheless has an important lesbian lesbian dimension. Of course, lesbian literary critics perform a number of other tasks. Among other things, they attempt to determine what might constitute lesbian poetics, that is, a uniquely lesbian way of writing. They analyze how the sexual or emotional orientation of lesbian writers has affected their literary expression. And for the next aspect, I will talk about gay criticism. For me personally, I think this criticism is something that is also important to talk about. Why? Because same with lesbians, people knowledge about gay is also still lacking. Unlike lesbian criticism, gay criticism doesn't tend to focus on efforts to define homosexuality, sexual relations between men, or even just the sexual desire of one man for another. Nevertheless, not all cultures share this definition. For instance, in Mexican and South American cultures, having sex with or wanting another guy does not necessarily mean a man is homosexual. A guy continues to be macho as long as he exhibits stereotypically male behavior, such as being powerful, dominant, and determined. Men can have sex with both men and women while still being regarded as machos in North America. In fact, it wasn't until the 19th century that the notion of homosexual identity and even the word homosexual were adopted in Anglo-European and American culture. Before that time, certain sexual acts, generally speak, all forms of non-procreative sex were forbidden by the church or state, but they weren't viewed as evidence of a specific sexual identity. The idea that one could be a homosexual come along with the idea, promoted by the medical professions, that such an identity was a form of pathology. This is why many gay men today prefer to refer themselves as gay. The word homosexual is associated, for many, 
with the belief that homosexuality is a medical or psychological disorder. Gay sensibility refers to the types of analysis that frequently catch the attention of gay critics. How does being gay affect a person's experience and express emotion, makes and responds to art and music, writes and interprets literature, and perceives the world themselves and others? Gay sensibility in heterosexist culture, like the one we live in America at the beginning of the 21st century includes an awareness of being different, at least in some ways. In other words, part of seeing the world as a gay man includes the way in which one deals with being oppressed as a gay man. There are many similarities between the ways that gay and lesbian critics approach literary works despite their emphasis on various theoretical topics. Homosexual critics like lesbian critics, for instance, aim to construct a gay literary tradition and determine which authors and works fall under that tradition. They also try to define what would constitute gay poetics or a particularly gay style of writing. Gay critics also look at how being gay influences literary expression and research the ways that heterosexual texts might have a homoerotic undertone. Finally, gay critics point out and criticize heterosexist readings of literature that ignore or undervalue the gay sensibility that shapes certain literary works. I think this is all I can say about the theory of LGBTQ criticism. Before I end this podcast, let me give my opinion on this LGBTQ criticism. With the development of the current era, we can see that there are more and more people who have an LGBTQ identity. Of course, I'm not saying that this is wrong. For me personally, there is nothing wrong or right about embracing or supporting LGBTQ. Why? Because if you look from the literature point of view, both straight and LGBTQ people can still produce good works and we can find the uniqueness in each work, although maybe we can still see the difference. For me personally, I can't say that LGBTQ is a wrong thing or shouldn't be done because historically, LGBTQ can also be said as a medical or psychological disorder for each person. So we can't judge or vilify people who have that identity. And if I have to give one example, I will bring up an example that happened in Indonesia. When we see from social media and daily life site, there are more and more people and we even live side by side with people who indirectly show their identity as LGBTQ people. But on the other hand, they still do not dare to fully reveal their identity as LGBTQ people because they live in Indonesia where most people still have a strong sense of judgment. That is why people are still afraid to be ostracized for revealing their identity. And I guess that's all I can say on this podcast. Before I end this podcast, I want to emphasize 
that the opinion I gave on in this podcast is only my personal opinion and I apologize if there are any mistakes in my understanding or words. I guess that's all and thank you.